I'm Pastor Gerald Rico, and this message is a part of our online ministry here at River of Life in Menominee, Wisconsin. To find out more about us, please visit our website, riveroflife.co. Again, that is riveroflife.co. But for now, prepare your heart and enjoy this message. Well, one more time, welcome. We are glad that you guys are here. A special welcome to our online community that is joining us. And uh, just really excited to kind of be wrapping up this series that we've been looking at, uh, looking at the idea of hospitality in the Bible, what that looks like, how do we live that out. And uh, really, as we're going through all of this, I-, I hope that your idea of what hospitality has been changed just a little bit. That, that we, we could see this as something that's bigger than what we maybe ascribe the word to. It's interesting, I've been going through this series and I'm not the best speller. I'll, I'll just put that out there. That I, I'm not really good at uh, spelling words and so I always have to do my Google checks and different things like that. And, and I was getting ready for this series today. And I, I, one more time, I was, I've been looking at the word hospitality so much, I, wanted to, I was putting it in something and decided I needed to spell check it, so I threw it in Google. And what I found was interesting, like I hadn't done that this whole series, which I, I kind of think is a little weird, honestly, but I'd thrown it in Google, and what came up was amazing to me. You know, it, if you ever put a word in Google, like they'll tell you the, what it means and all of that. Make sure you spelled it correctly. And, you know, they're very condescending, right? Like if you spelled it wrong, did you mean? Oh, yeah, actually, yeah, that is what I meant. But, but when, you, when you Google the word hospitality or really anywhere, typically they'll also throw in images. And all of the images that they threw about hospitality was all about restaurants and hotels and the rest in the hospitality industry, which I think is interesting, because when we look at the term hospitality and and the Greek that it comes from, that word comes from, it means to have a welcoming spirit to foreigners, a love for those who are different than you. It, it literally means that you care for the stranger. And, and I guess I can see how that plays itself out through the hospitality industry. But when the New Testament people were hearing these words about hospitality, they weren't thinking about restaurants. They weren't thinking about hotels. They were thinking about how do I live this out in our home? How do I show hospitality where I live? And I think that's, that's huge that we recognize that hospitality is something that we got to reclaim in our homes. And so we've been using this one verse as kind of our catalyst verse for the series. It's Romans 12, verse 13, which tells us, when God's people are in need, be ready to help. Always be eager to show, to practice hospitality. That this was not something where He was telling the church, go out and start restaurants, go out and start hotels. This was, be ready to invite people into your homes to show hospitality, and specifically in need. You know, when we we look at the history of the church, because of the way we have shown hospitality historically, we have things like hotels. We have things like restaurants. I mean, hospitals 
came because in the ancient world, if someone was sick, they were often just left out to die. Like if they didn't have family members to take care of them, if they or their family was afraid to take care of them, they were left out in the streets or in the countryside. And hospitable Christians said, we need to invite these people into our homes. And they started taking care of And then they developed ways to care for them in systems of homes. And that's where we get hospitals today. The whole idea of orphanages and, and adoption was really championed by the early church realizing we, we've got to take care of the people who are on the fringes. And so through this series, we've been looking at what that should look like. We, we've been looking at the Bible. In our first week, we, we looked at how God is the author of hospitality. That through creation, He created this amazing world and invited us to be a part of it and invited us to live with Him in the world He created for us to enjoy. Our second week, we looked at this idea of how we are to be people of hospitality. And that when we extend ourselves, that we have no idea the kind of impact we're going to have. The verse we looked at that week mentioned the fact that we may entertain angels without being aware. So as you take care of the people sitting next to you, as you take care of showing hospitality to the people around you, don't be surprised if you see some feathers in the seat when you're done. Or maybe that's not the way angels work. I'm not sure. But, but, but there's this idea that if we show hospitality, we have no idea what kind of impact we're making or who we're really showing that hospitality toward. And then last week, we talked about the idea that if we're going to have hospitality, it's going to cost us something. That even when we're hurting, even when it's difficult, we are expected to be people of hospitality. And so this week, seems kind of weird to end the series with this, but I want to talk about being at home with hospitality. I mean, we've been talking about hospitality this whole time. Why, why take this service and talk about being at home with it? Because I think hopefully you are beginning to see that what the Bible calls hospitality and what is expected of us for, as hospitality is maybe different than what we've been experiencing. Now, I've been in some of your homes and I've been around some of you people and you get this. And so I'm not saying that it's completely foreign to us. But we also need to understand that this is not something that is a sideline issue. That really, I believe, one of the big components of what the church is supposed to be is it's supposed to be a welcoming community that there are too many churches in too many places that they begin to become a club that only allows people in that look like them and act like them, that only allows people to be a part of the fellowship if they vote a certain way or if they dress a certain way. And that is very opposite. And I believe that robs Christianity of the depth and the beauty and, and the power that was supposed to be shown to the world, that people can be very different and yet still love each other and still welcome each other in and still invite people to be a part of their lives, a part of their community, a part of their family. 
And so today, I want, I want us to maybe up the ante a little bit. I want us to really begin to think, what does it mean to be at home with us? What does it mean to say, my house can be a place, my, my dwelling, or, or I can find a place to show hospitality continually. And so that's what we want to look at today. And today we're going to look at a very interesting story. It's found in the Gospel of Luke. Luke wrote this book trying to help people understand who Jesus was and how he lived. Last week we looked at Luke's account of Jesus' death on the cross and how that becomes a symbol for us of what hospitality really is. That we, that we are willing to suffer for the sake of those who would even be hurtful towards us. And that we are willing to suffer for the hurting so that they can be brought in to the family of God. And so, in Luke chapter 24, Jesus has risen from the dead. They crucified Him, they buried Him, and He rose from the dead. It's something He said was going to happen, but unfortunately, none of the believers, none of His followers believed it would happen. None of them thought this is really going to happen, but it happened. And in, in the middle of them coming to terms with this, in the middle of them trying to figure out did this really happen? Did Jesus really rise? We have this kind of side story that Luke wants to make sure we hear about. Like we, We've looked at the book of Luke often, and one of the things that kind of stands out about the book of Luke is that he interviewed people. Like You can hear about people's thoughts, people's feelings, and the only way you get those is if you actually sat down and interviewed them. And so there's a lot of people who believed Luke interviewed Mary, Luke interviewed Peter, Luke interviewed key people. And there's a possibility he may have talked to this gentleman named Cleopas. Cleopas was a believer. He was a follower of Jesus Christ. He, he might have actually been a part of his family. We're not, there, there's, some, there's some speculation about that. But in any case, he was a follower. And Cleopas was close enough to the group the inner circle, that he began to hear the rumors that on the third day, Jesus had rose. And he heard it said that the women had gone to the tomb and found out that Jesus' body was not there. I want, I, want, I want you to put yourself in Cleopas' shoes. You've been following this rabbi who was claiming to be the Messiah. You really believed he was going to be the one to destroy Rome and to bring about the, the powerful nation of Israel again. And then you watch him die. But there's something in his teaching that talked about the fact that he was going to die and then three days later he was going to rise. But when he died, you probably kind of checked out at that moment. And then when people started saying he rose again, what would your response have been? Would you have been someone who immediately was like, yes, let's go check out the tomb? Would you have been like some of the disciples that were so afraid they weren't even willing to go check it out? Or maybe you're like Cleopas. And you decided, I'm out of here. I don't know what would prompt him to do this, Obviously, just speculation. Maybe he was afraid because things were starting to get a little weird. Maybe he was intimidated. Maybe he just 
had a garden back home and he needed to tend to it. I don't know. We, we don't know why he decided to leave. But we have this story that he and another follower decided, we're out of here. And they started a seven-mile trip down to a little town called Emmaus. And as they're going, they're talking, and they're distraught. They're upset about what has happened. They're trying to process through Jesus dying and process through the fact that apparently someone stole the body. And a crazy thing happens. As they're walking, Jesus shows up. But the Bible tells us Jesus decided to disguise himself. I don't know if he put on a wig and a fake mustache or, 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 or what he did, but it says that he prevented them from knowing it was him. I'm, obviously, we're assuming this was a supernatural thing. That something about Jesus using his divine power, he, he shielded them from understanding that this was Jesus walking alongside of them. And he, and he comes in and he, he asks them a very interesting question as they're walking. He's like, why are you guys so sad? And they turn and they look at Jesus like, are you the only one in Jerusalem who's unaware of the things that have happened? Are you the only one who doesn't know about this rabbi? And Jesus, I think with a little bit of maybe sarcasm, can Jesus be sarcastic? I don't know. But, but he looked at him, he's like, what things? What are you talking about? And so they, be, they begin to tell him. We were following this rabbi named Jesus. We thought he was the Messiah, but he died. And what's even more crazy is some of the ladies went to the tomb and said the body's gone, and they began telling us that he rose from the dead. But we don't believe that, so we're leaving. And he looks at him and is like, don't you know the scriptures? And so as they walked, he began to talk to them in the scriptures about himself. And he began to share this truth that all of the Bible was pointing to this truth, that the Messiah must come, he must suffer, he must die, but in three days he would rise. And then it's very interesting, they get to Emmaus, and, and they're about to head home, to, to get into their house, and, and this is where I want to pick up the story. We find this story in Luke chapter 24. I'm sorry, I kind of gave you the Cliff Notes version of the first part of it, but this is a great story. You should read it. The Bible's really awesome. Like, pick it up and read it. This is my plug for the Bible. It's worth digging into. But I want to start our story here in Luke 24, beginning in verse 28. And so again, we're looking at Luke chapter 24, verses 28 through 34, and I'll be reading today out of the New Living Translation. As a matter of fact, why don't we stand for the reading of God's Word? In Luke chapter 24, beginning in verse 28. And this is how it reads. It says, By this time they were nearing Emmaus in the end of their journey. Jesus acted as if he was going on, but they begged him, Stay the night with us, since it is getting late. So he went home with them. As they sat down to eat, he took the bread and blessed it. And then he broke it and gave it to them. Suddenly, their eyes were opened, and they recognized him. And at that moment, he disappeared. For they, they said to each other, Don't, Didn't our hearts burn within us as he talked with us on the road and explained the scriptures to us? 
And within the hour, they were on their way back to Jerusalem. When they found the eleven disciples and the others who had gathered with them, who said, the Lord has really risen. He appeared to Peter. Let me pray for us this morning. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would illuminate your word. That as Luke was faithful to record these incidences from your life, I pray that the words that we are reading, the the truth that we are coming in contact with would change us, would transform us. That we'd be open to whatever you want to speak to us this morning. That we would walk out of this place more in love with you, more in love with the world you've created, and more willing to be a people of hospitality. God, I love you so much. I praise you, and I pray that you would bless the service, and we pray this in your name. Amen. Amen. Well, before you see it, why don't you wave at a couple of people. Let them know you're excited to be worshiping with them today. If you're online, make sure you... But we look at this story, and I find it pretty, pretty fascinating. It's a story about hospitality. I don't know if you recognize that. That this is a story about Jesus showing hospitality through teaching, them showing hospitality by inviting Jesus in. I'd really encourage you. I mean, I've done this in the past, but I encourage you again. We're coming to the end of this series as you continue with your Bible studies, as you continue to read the Bible, look for hospitality. Look for, you're going to find it all throughout. You're going to see hospitality is not a sideline issue. It's not a, well, it would be really good if you did this kind of thing. This is an expectation. This is something you see from cover to cover. This concept of hospitality. And so it's right here in this story. And what I want to see, why I believe it's so important that we, we get a hold of this, is I believe this really reflects Jesus. I believe it really reflects who He is and what He desires to do in our lives. And in this story in particular, we have three things that I see that it, it points to about what hospitality does with our relationship with Jesus Christ. The first thing that I want you to see here is that hospitality feeds Jesus. Hospitality feeds Jesus. Now in this story, this is literal. Like, these guys were showing hospitality. They didn't realize who they were inviting in to have a meal with them, but they actually were going to try to feed him. And so we read that in verses 28 through 30. Jesus acted as if he was going on. I mean, this whole story, I'm, just, I'm going, man, he's playing them the whole time. First of all, he's, he's pretending like it's not really him. Then he's asking them weird questions about things about himself. And then he teaches them about himself. And then he decides to act like he's not even going to continue walking with them. But they, they invite him in. And they say, stay with us since it's getting late. I want you to pay attention to that. They said, it's getting late. He had already walked seven miles. It was getting late. So they said, stay with us. And he did. He came and he prepared to have a meal with them. 
And so this was a very literal feeding of Jesus. But what I find interesting is that while they were doing it, not knowing it was Jesus, and willingly feeding a stranger, Jesus promised that when we do that, even if it's not Him, it is Him. Matter of fact, in one of His teachings in the book of Matthew, Jesus tells a story about the end times. And He talks about what it will be like when we all stand before Him as the judge. And He's going to separate people into two different groups. What's interesting is He's separating them into two different people on whether or not they were showing hospitality. And to the group that were showing hospitality, He gives a blessing. To the ones who were not showing hospitality, it doesn't go as well. But this is what He he says in verses uh, 37 through 40 of Matthew chapter 20. 25, sorry. He says, Then to the righteous ones will reply, Lord, when did we ever see you hungry and feed you? Or thirsty and give you something to drink? Or a stranger and show hospitality? Or naked and give you clothing? When did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will say, I tell you the truth, when you do it to one of the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you are doing it to me. Jesus is saying, if you show hospitality to anyone, you're really showing hospitality to me. If you show hospitality, especially look at the context he's saying. He's, He's talking about the hungry, the destitute, the naked, the imprisoned, the sick. When we show hospitality that costs us something, we're really feeding Jesus. That's why this series is so important. That's why we have to get this. We have to be people of hospitality. We have to be people who understand what it means to give to others because it feeds Him. We have to look at every person we come in contact with, however rude or belligerent they might be, however much they may turn you off by their attitude, by their language, by their body odor, We have to be willing to say, that person's Jesus. I need to treat this person the way I would treat Jesus if he were in front of me right now. I I know that's hard and I know that's difficult, especially when the person in, in the Walmart line is in the speedy checkout and he's got three baskets full of stuff in front of you. You still gotta love them like that person's Jesus, even though they're Gumming up the whole process. One, one. Um, um, I, I still forgive you, Mark. But no. Uh, but but here's the thing: we we have to be people who say this is the way we are to live. The people we come in contact need to be reflecting Jesus back to us. Whether they look like it, whether you feel like it, that's what we need to do. And, and that's the other part of this: is that hospitality reveals Jesus. 
That, that when you begin to be a person of hospitality, you reveal Jesus to others. You reveal Jesus to yourself. We read this in, in verse 31 and 32. It says, suddenly their eyes were opened and they recognized him. And at that moment, he disappeared. They said to each other, didn't our hearts burn within us as, we talk, as he talked with us on the road and explained the scriptures to us? What's interesting is Jesus didn't really reveal himself to them until they were hospitable toward him. Can I, can I make this bold declaration? Do you want to see more of Jesus? Do you want to experience more of His love, more of His light, more of His power in your life? Start being hospitable. Start showing kindness to strangers. Start loving the strange people who are sitting across the aisle from you right now. Because there's some strangers in here. Yeah. I'm one of the stranger ones. I'll just put that out there. But, but here's the truth. When we begin to show hospitality, I, I think that's when God begins to reveal Himself to us. We, we want to see the miraculous, but until we're doing things that the miraculous is required to show up and step into, we won't see the miracles. God isn't here just to bless our comfortable American Christian life. Jesus didn't die on the cross so that we could pray for a raise next week that we're going to spend on our new car. He died so that we would be broken and poured out for others. He died so that we would be people who take what we've been given and give it away. And it's in doing that that we begin to see God do other amazing things. It's in doing that we begin to see Jesus revealing himself and providing for us and meeting us. It's living on that kind of an edge of hospitality that we begin to see all sorts of amazing things happen. And if you're not seeing more of Jesus, you may not be living on that edge. You may not be someone who's being radical enough with your hospitality. I'm not saying just be hospitable and you're going to see Jesus show up in your room and he's going to break bread with you. I'm not saying that. But I'm saying you position yourself to receive more when you're willing to give away more. When you're willing to give more of yourself. When you're willing to be generous with what you have. Not, not just in tithing and in giving offerings, but in your life. In your home. In your meals. I, I really want to encourage you. Begin to be a people of hospitality and see how God will meet you there. And then lastly, I want you to see hospitality proclaims Jesus. That when you are a hospitable people, what you're really doing is showing the world what it is to love like Jesus. You're, you're actually positioning yourself to have an audience to tell others. That hospitality is you opening your door to someone else, but what you're also doing is opening a door to be able to speak into them and to be able to speak into their family and to be able to speak into their friends. 
You have no idea what will happen if you are consistent in hospitality. If you're consistently showing love to the people around you, consistently showing love to your neighbors, you will begin to see amazing things. In our story, it says, within that very hour, after Jesus appeared to them and then disappeared, it says, within that very hour, they went back to Jerusalem. Remember, I told you, think about what, the reason why they were even inviting Jesus in. They said, it's getting late. You, you need to spend the night with us. So once Jesus revealed himself, all of a sudden it wasn't too late. They repacked their stuff and they took another seven-mile trip back to Jerusalem on foot. They're like, we, we've got to go proclaim this. And by the time they got there, other people were proclaiming. Jesus appeared to Peter. I'm telling you that when we do this, when we start to be people of hospitality, we are going to be people who proclaim Jesus because this is what is expected of us. I'm in the middle of reading a great book um, that I got because I started studying on this subject. And it is by a lady named um, Rosaria Butterfield. She was very anti-Christian, very anti-gospel, um, actually decided that she wanted to write a book discrediting the Bible. And when she did, there was a Christian couple who lived next door to her. And she said, Why don't, they said, I understand you want to write about the Bible. We, we, we do a lot of teaching about the Bible. Why don't you come and hang out with us? And for a year, she sat in these, people home, in these people's home, had meals with them, and just talked about why she didn't believe in the Bible. And at the end of a year, she committed her life to Christ. She was a feminist activist at a liberal college. And through that year of hospitality, her life was broken and changed. She is now a pastor's wife and a homeschool mom and doing the exact things that she was teaching people to fight against. And she believes it all stems from this radical hospitality. And so she wrote this great book, and I apologize, I was going to have it up here, um, but it's called The Gospel Comes with a House Key. But, but look her up, Rosaria Butterfield. And this, this is what she says in the book at one point. She says, let us use, or let God use your home, apartment, dorm room, front yard, community gymnasium, or garden for the purpose of making strangers into neighbors and neighbors into family. Because that is the point. Building the church and living like a family, the family of God. Radically ordinary and daily hospitality is the basic building block for vital Christian living. Start anywhere, but do start. Start anywhere, but start. This is going to feel weird at first. If you're not used to doing this kind of stuff, it's going to feel like a stretch. But isn't that what faith is supposed to be there for? To stretch us? 
to cause us to do things we wouldn't normally do in our own strength, in our own personality. I think there's another, I think it was her, I've been reading a lot, I apologize. She, she talked about, in another point, that we have different personality types, but that doesn't excuse us. Whether you're an introvert or an extrovert, you're not excused. You just have to figure out how to do hospitality that best fits your personality and find a way to open your hearts in that way. But I believe what she's saying here, that hospitality is the building block. That hospitality is what we were designed for. I talked about the last week, the hospitality Jack showed me, letting me in his home, letting me influence his children when I was probably not the best influence. And it was that radical hospitality that really got my life going back in the right direction. We, I think hopefully all of us can point to someone who was uncommonly hospitable towards us somewhere in our Christian journey. And if you haven't experienced that, I'm sorry. But be that for someone else. Be someone who says, I'm going to take the steps of hospitality and I'm going to take it beyond what's comfortable. And so, with that, I really want to encourage you. This is the last week in our series, but don't stop thinking about hospitality. This week, take some time and meditate on God's hospitality toward you. Not the least of which is the cross. But there are so many other ways that He has been hospitable toward you, showing you His goodness, showing you what it is to be welcome in His world. Take time and meditate on that this week. And as you're doing that, take some time and consider how God wants to show hospitality through you. With that, let me give you two quick ideas. First of all, if you want to just try this on your own, I want to encourage you to set a goal. I was reading in a different book, and they were saying they were trying to encourage their church to be people of hospitality, and they tried to set a goal three meals a week. Like, I don't know how many meals you typically eat. Maybe it's more than three a day. Maybe it's less than three a day. I, I don't know. Maybe you're one of those intermittent fast people. But they're saying three meals a, a week. Eat with someone you don't normally eat with. One meal a week. Eat with someone from the church. I got my calendar open at, afterwards. I, I'll, I'll jump in that uh, circle if you want to invite me into one of those meal times. But invite somebody from the church that you can have a meal with. For your second meal, invite someone who doesn't go to church. Maybe it's a neighbor. Maybe it's a coworker. Maybe it's someone you just met on the street. I don't know. But invite someone you wouldn't, who you don't know their church affiliation. That you would invite someone that doesn't go to our church out to a meal. And then for the third meal, repeat it with one of those two. Either do another meal with a church person or another meal with someone who's not a church person. I think if all of us made that commitment that every week I'm going to, Take at least three meals. And maybe, maybe that's too much for you. Maybe just do every month you're going to do three meals. But have a meal with someone who you wouldn't normally have a meal with. And use it as a way to begin to open the doors of hospitality. If you want to do this in a group, maybe you could get together with a handful of people 
in this church or a handful of people in your neighborhood and, or get together with a life group and start to think creatively, what could this look like if we were to try to do something of hospitality as a group? Maybe throw a block party or, or, or do some kind of barbecue or do something where you're doing things together as a group. And if we get enough of those people putting stuff together like that, we may actually put together a little website saying, hey, our, our church is doing this or our church is doing that to encourage hospitality. Let me tell you, I want to invite you next week to another church. I mean, come here on Sunday morning, please. But, but next week at noon, Love Church is taking over Wilson Park. They're doing a good or a free will offering event where they're bringing in food trucks, they're bringing in carnival games, they're bringing in bouncy houses, and you're allowed to walk in and pay whatever you think it's worth. It's a way for them to show hospitality. So if somebody can't afford it, they're invited just to come in. So if you're going, you're going to be a good Christian and you're going to bless their socks off by paying them more than you should because that's what good Christians do. But if you can't afford it, just go in there and be blessed and see what it is to hang out with our community. Pastor Paul invited me and said I could invite you guys. So let's go. Let's go love on our community. And and then let's dream. What could it look like for our church? What, What are some ways? And we've done it. It's not that we haven't but I'm not going to stop it. And I want us to continue to be creative about it. And I want us to continue to find ways because this is so important. This is not a little thing. This is the gospel. Hospitality extended to strangers and enemies and outcasts. This is what we need to do. And then, if you haven't done it already, memorize Romans 12, 13. Let it be something that you think about this summer as you're doing projects, as you're, as you're going out and, and doing trips as a family, or as you're going on hikes or, or whatever. Think about how you could be incorporating other people into what you're doing. That you would take time and you would take care of people in the church who are in need and that you'd be eager to practice hospitality. So if you are wanting to Keep getting reminders about that. Make sure you filled out our digital connect card. You got one more week of study questions that are going to come out this week. So if you haven't done that already, text that word river 715-953-4060. Give us your email address. You will get a reminder at one o'clock about some study questions you can go through with your family or with a life group. And then if you're looking for ways to serve, ways to show hospitality through our church, I really want to encourage you to go to that website riveroflife.co forward slash serve and you can have the opportunity then to connect with different opportunities and we want to pour into you and give you strength to learn what you are created to do so that you can serve in a way that honors God. But right now, we're going to serve communion. And so you should have received a little cup. I did not receive one, so if you could send one my way, I'd appreciate that. At least I don't think I got one hiding back here. Thank you so much for serving. So, we believe that communion is one of the ways we remember what Christ has done. One of the ways we remember the hospitality. And as I mentioned last week, I think as we remember communion, 
we are remembering his death until he returns. And as we choose to be broken and poured out like him, we are remembering his death until he returns. So whether it's this act of bread and a cup, or whether it's sitting across the aisle at Ted's Pizza with someone else, showing them love, or blessing one of the homeless people in our community. As we are being broken and poured out for others, we are remembering him. And I believe that when we do that, we feed him. When we do that, he reveals himself. When we do that, we proclaim him. So, we, we practice an open communion here at this church, which basically means you don't have to be a member to participate with us. The only thing we really ask is that you would be someone who calls upon the name of Christ and, and believes in him. And so, I'm going to pray a prayer and invite you to receive Christ if you never have. And then I'm going to pray a blessing over our act of communion. But if you're here in this room or you're joining us online, I just encourage you to pray this prayer. If you want to accept the hospitality of Christ, if you want to receive who He is and live the life that He has called you to live, and the rest of us, we're going to pray and believe that as people are coming to Christ and as we are proclaiming His death through this act, that we are going to be people of hospitality. So let, let me pray. Jesus, I pray right now that You would draw hearts to You that either people in this room or people who are joining us online, that there, there would be those who don't know you, but are, but are sensing your call on their lives. They can feel the Holy Spirit drawing them. I pray that you would speak into their lives, speak truth, speak hope, speak life. And if that's you, if if you're in this room, if you're watching online and you're saying, that's me, I need Jesus. I need to receive Him as my Lord and Savior. I, I want to be a person who receives the hospitality of God. I want to be a, someone who gives away the hospitality of God. If that's you, I'd encourage you to pray this simple prayer with me. You can use my words, you can use your own. You can say this out loud or you can say this in the quietness of your heart. But I encourage you to pray something like this. Say, dear Jesus, I believe in you. I believe that you died for me. I believe that God rose you from the dead. And I want to live for you. God, I'm sorry for my mistakes, for my sins, for the ways that I've hurt myself and others, for the ways that I've hurt you. Today, I choose to turn from that life. And I choose to follow you. Holy Spirit, fill me. 
Help me to live for Jesus every day. God, I thank you for this new life. Today you have mine. I pray this in Jesus' name. And God, for those who have just prayed this prayer for the first time or those who have prayed that prayer a long time ago, as we take communion together, I pray that you would help us to see your hospitality through the cross. And that we would also be people who are willing to not just remember, but to also live it out. That we would be poured out. That we would be broken for the sake of those who still need to come into the family. Let this bread, let this cup be a remembering. But let our lives be an even greater one. We love you, Jesus. And that's why we remember. That's why we take this, these elements. That's why we pray. And why we pray in your name. Amen. Well, let's go ahead and take the bread together. And also the cup. Now let's just stand. We're going to sing one more song. We're going to worship God. But as you're standing, as you're preparing to worship, I want to encourage you. Let, don't let this just be something that happened in this moment. Let's go out there and show hospitality. Let's go out there and show love and grace. Let's reflect a God who gave everything by being a people who are available to everyone everywhere that we wouldn't allow the hurriedness of our lives to crowd out what God is trying to do in the lives of the people around us let's be a people who show this grace wherever we go amen amen let's let's worship